You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Jose Solis. If you're new here, welcome. We are a community of BIPOC critics, journalists, and friends who love the performing arts so much that we do a web series and a podcast every week where we talk to some of our favorite artists and we also review shows. In the past, we have done interviews with Heidi Schreck and Josh Groban, among others. I want to remind you that everything we do is thanks to you and it's also for you. So if you are able to please become a contributor on Patreon by joining our friend zone, we have different tiers starting at $1 and going all the way to as much as you're willing and you're capable of giving at the moment. If you join our tier at $1, you're going to be getting a weekly newsletter, bonus content, including Q&As and bonus episodes and early access to our episodes and more. On this episode, I am going to be talking to Tony-winning legend Andre the Shields, who won the Tony Award for Best Featured Actor for his incredible performance as Hermes in Town, which is available right now as a cast recording if you haven't listened to it. During our conversation, we talk about Mr. Shields' upcoming performance as Frederick Douglass in Frederick Douglass' My Eyes Have Seen the Glory, which is going to be streaming on February 26th. And we also talk about destiny, fate, blessings, and about what's coming out in a world that's dying and our responsibility to a world that's just getting started. So I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I loved talking to Mr. Andre the Shields. And yeah. it's it's a pleasure to to um it's a pleasure to be talking to you today. I was going to ask you this later, but I I really am dying to talk to you about this. Okay. One of the most moving moments for me um in lockdown was I think it was early in the summer when you posted a picture of yourself kissing the door at the theater where you performed every night in Hadestown and you the said you were occur. yes and you said you were uh giving the theater a blessing a and blessing. I have thought about that constantly every time that I you know wonder when are we going back and why is it taking so long? And will we have it back? 
And I think about that image and I think about that blessing and I kind of borrowed that as a blessing for me also and for all of us who love theater. So outstanding because that is exactly what the effort was intended to mean. This is, this is possibly going to sound a little far out, but the more I mature and the longer I remain active in the arts, I, I am persuaded that there's no such thing as inanimate any longer. Every encounter, whether it be with a person or a thing, is a testament to life. So once I understood that the moratorium on Broadway performances was going to be longer than anyone could have imagined. And I had that opportunity to do that interview in front of the Walter Kerr. I thought about the spirit that's inside the theater that we see as locked down. It's represented by that ghost light that when we are performing after every performance, we leave the theater, the ghost light is put on to give an opportunity to those spirits that have been left there over countless years to do whatever performance they need to continue their lives, their existence, their significance. So it's a kind of guard. It's a kind of keeping of the faith that we will be here whenever you return. So not only was it a thank you, but it was also take care of yourself, be safe, happy trails to you until we meet again. It's a kind of ritual that hadn't been missing from my life, but it was obvious that with the lockdown, people were beginning to respond in panic and react in fear and looking for the end instead of coming together, collaborating, cooperating, communicating, and this is gonna sound severe, but this is the way I see it, allow that world that is yearning to die to do exactly that and then assist the world that's yearning to be born to do exactly that. And that takes time. That's, that's really beautiful because it's like you're conjuring the image of uh a midwife and also of a priest or a pastor sending someone off to their next destination. Exactly. And I wasn't going to use that term because I thought, oh, Jose will think I'm just out of my mind. But yes, we need to be the midwives for this 
this new world that's trying to change the paradigm, the zeitgeist. And it's an invitation to us to be the doula. That's, that's really beautiful. I love that, that, that you know, those images, because like one part of me wants to ask you and be very, I don't know, like a little kid and ask you about actual ghosts, but I won't do that. Instead, I'm going to ask you about what the adult part of me uh, wants to know. And it's, you have given the space for the spirits of the theater to keep on their performance, right? But how have you nurtured, you know, you're a living creature of the theater. How have you nurtured that performance in the year almost since lockdown started? Let me use as one totem, Sunday, June 9th, 2019, when after 50 years as a performing activist, I received my first Tony Award. It was my third nomination, but it was the first time I actually had the award bestowed upon me. And I shared my life's philosophy when I accepted the speech. And I professed what I referred to as my three cardinal rules for sustainability and longevity. Rule number one, surround yourself with people whose eyes light up when they see you coming. Rule number two, slowly is the fastest way to get to where you want to be. And rule number three, the top of one mountain is the bottom of the next. So keep climbing. Now, I don't speak or live in sound bites. I'm a thinker, I'm a philosopher. I enjoy deep time, which is why rule number two is there, slowly. Curiously, but not so unexpectedly, the lockdown has given me that opportunity to encourage, to luxuriate in that part of being a performing artist that necessarily has to be contemplative. You cannot act your way through a life in the theater. That's part of the equation. Another part of the equation is you have to imagine yourself through a life in the theater. If it doesn't, if you can't conjure it in your imagination, you cannot manifest it in reality. So 2019 was illustrative of that aphorism, you reap what you sow. After 50 years of sowing my seeds, I had an abundant harvest. 
again, after the harvest, you have to allow the field to lie fallow so that it can contemplate, so that it can rest, so that it can be revivified, so that it can see, it can receive the seeds that we plan to plant in the future for the following harvest. That is how I am embracing the pandemic. It has lasted longer than I would have wanted it to, but because I've always known that I live an anointed life. In those situations where most people say, carpe diem, seize the day, I've adjusted that for my life to carpe donum, which means seize the gift. And in every difficult situation, in every complication, in every expression that we receive as a problem, there is a blessing, there is a gift. We simply have to be bold enough, be courageous enough, to be unafraid enough to work through the disguise of the problem to recognize the gift. Once you said anointed and you spoke about creating opportunities, I couldn't think of a better segue to talk about uh, Frederick Douglass, Mine Eyes Have Seen the Glory, because ah. it's we're bringing everything full circle right now. Ancestors, yes, 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 spirits, yes. anointment. So I'm, I'm dying to hear everything about this piece and what it means for you to be doing this at this time in history. Well, in your question is part of the answer. You said we were coming full circle. One of the one of the concepts, one of the ideas that has become so clear in my thinking during the pandemic is the idea, you know how we say history repeats itself. I'm, I'm subscribing to that now, but not in the simplistic sense in that we are cursed to repeat our mistakes. History repeats itself in the sense that it is circular. Just as the universe, we, we, we cannot envision how large it is, but it makes sense to me that it's circular, which is why we invest in the laws of karma. What goes around comes around. It may take a lifetime for it to come around, or it may take longer than one's individual lifetime for it to come around, which is why I'm investigating the circularity of history through the eyes of Frederick Douglass. What I understand, just one example, what I understand is that when we listen to our great 
martyred hero, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. When he says, I have a dream. If you know anything about Frederick Douglass, then you will understand that the dream that Dr. Martin Luther King references has, be, has been bequeathed to him. He has inherited it from Frederick Douglass. And if you do more research, you will understand that Frederick Douglass inherited that dream from Toussaint Louverture and so on and so on until in your own existence, you will find the most recent, the latest heir to that dream. One of whom was uh, James Baldwin, for instance. One of whom was um, Mary McLeod Bethune. One of whom was Barack Obama. And you can name almost an inexhaustible list of people through whom history is continued and evolves. And the beauty of this intersection between history and evolution is that it is happening in our lifetime. Not many people experience the crossroads of history and evolution. More often it's one or the other. History is either ahead of evolution or evolution is ahead of history. But here we witness it as if it were a clash of the titans. They're eyeball to eyeball. And it is incumbent upon us to resolve the confrontation, if you will. And we must resolve it and err on the side of those who are going to inherit history and evolution from us. We are now the gatekeepers. We are now the keepers of the faith. We are now the storytellers. And the story we tell must be progressive, must be forward looking. Why? Because evolution goes forward. Evolution doesn't go in reverse, which is why the zeitgeist is changing because it has been going in reverse for too long. And we now are all aware, doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you are, you are on, everyone is aware that it is time to have a shift in gears. And I want to use Frederick Douglass, a revered, respected icon of history, civil rights, human rights, freedom, and who lived through the century that produced the century, Frederick Douglass in the 19th, the 20th century, when the change began to be made. And now that we're in the 21st century, we can finally 
and ultimately realize what has been imagined for so many generations. So, I'm, so when, when you see me as Frederick Douglass, I'm not going to do a straight forward by the numbers remembrance of his life's journey. I'm going to use Frederick Douglass as, did you see Hades Town? Mm -hmm. All right. I'm going to use Frederick Douglass as a modern day Hermes, a messenger who will hold all of us to account. What have you done? What have you not done? What do you now realize you must do in order to get to the promised land, if you will, the new earth? I wonder, during your research to, to play the part and putting, you know, gathering all the materials and like the essence and spirit that you wanted for, for this piece, which of his messages, maybe one that you never had paid attention to before, or one that was new to you struck you know the most which of his uh bits of wisdom i would say or what is something that he said that you didn't know that struck you like lightning to keep it in the hermes territory? Ah, all right uh, yes it is not a new concept but it is one of the dots that fills in the journey that I've been on. As a very young child, and I know it now in retrospect, but as a very young child, I loved language. And when I became the first person in my family to attend college, I studied English. Why? Because I wanted to be sure that I could make myself understood by those who would oppress me. And I wanted to be sure that I was understanding what was being said to me and about me by those who would oppress me. Frederick Douglass is referred to as an autodidact. He taught himself with the help of one of the wives of his masters, how to read. She, being a good Christian, owning a slave, thought how significant it would be if I could use the Bible and teach him his letters. And Frederick took to that immediately. Of course, when the master of the plantation found that out, he said to his missus, stop. Slaves should not have knowledge. Slaves must remain ignorant. In that way, they will remain docile and obedient. And that will translate as our slaves are happy So that's my first 
line of parallelism with Frederick Douglass. As a young boy, he was attracted to language. So was I. And both of us used the beacon of education to surrender to our destinies. And that is the power in each of our lives. He became a great orator. He became the great emancipator, the abolitionist. And he set, he set the bar, if you will, for all liberators to follow him. I take on that same responsibility as a performing activist. I, I've been uh, fortunate enough to create roles. I've never had to follow someone in a role. I've been able to create roles. And there is a tendency to be possessive of that. And what I have grown to understand is, oh, create a role, blaze a trail, but then leave crumbs on that trail for those who are following in your wake. You create a role, you open a door, leave that door open so that those who are also looking for a portal will have a way in, a way through not because we're making it easier. We're simply expanding opportunity. And that's what this battle is about. I don't wanna be a white person. A white person doesn't wanna be a, you know, politics of identity. We all want access to opportunity. And then we will do with that opportunity what we will. I, I yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that I want you to run for office right now, <laughs> especially with the American flag behind you and everything. But no, it's, it's so interesting because you were talking earlier about being at that crossroads, right? Between like having like the literal clash of titans and you as Hermes, right now being a messenger because I'm thinking, you know, uh, back in the 19th century, for instance, you, we couldn't do this. People couldn't do this. Like you couldn't be in people's televisions. You couldn't be in people's living rooms. And right now I'm thinking that as Hermes, you are in my ears. If I listen to the cast recording of Town, mm. there's videos of you performing uh, on shows, for instance. There's also, uh, you were Hermes again, uh, and the podcast with Rachel Chapkin. And right, you, right, right. You're everywhere as Hermes right now. So I'm curious as to, I'm sure it was not a coincidence that you were Hermes at the moment when you needed to be Hermes. But I wonder what that was like for you when you realized, okay, this is it. Does that make sense? <laughs> it's, uh, yes, it makes more than sense. It makes destiny. I say to uh, my young wards, sometimes I teach master classes, or sometimes people just ask, ask me for advice and I say, no, 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 I don't have any advice for you. 
But just as since 9-11, we've said, if you see something, say something. I believe if you know something, share something. So when someone asks me for advice, I say, no, I have no advice for you, but I will tell you what I know. And this is what I know. The universe recreates itself for our pleasure. The universe is a source of abundance. So first of all, you have to understand that there's no such thing as lack. There's no such thing as inadequacy. There's no such thing as insufficiency. There is enough. If you suspect there isn't, then you're being victimized by politics. Abundance. The lesson to be learned is pursue only that abundance that has your name written on it. And then you can never experience, I don't have enough. If I stop pursuing abundance that has Jose Solis on it, yeah, I will not have enough. But if I pursue the abundance that has Andre de Shields written on it, that's called surrender to your destiny. So when Hermes came along, just as I said before, reaping what you sow, it was one of the seeds that I had sown that had come to full maturity. It was blossoming, it was blooming. Because if you surrender to your destiny, your only obligation is to bloom, blossom, be gorgeous, be beautiful. So when Hermes came along, it was my permission from the universe to be as gorgeous as I wanted to be. To be, to, to use language as lovingly as I wanted to be. To be as erudite as I had yearned from a young man. When I came to New York in 1973, no one asked me to use the seven syllable word. All the casting directors had two questions for me. Can you sing? Can you dance? And because of the way I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland, of course, can I say, oh, no, you know? I mean, I didn't have a French vocabulary, right, in dance. I had no idea what a developé was or a torchete or anything like that, but I could throw down. I knew I could bring something to the, um, what, what's it called? The potluck. I could bring something to the potluck that was unique. And that's what my destiny, that's, that's what my career has been. Idiosyncratic, the most authentic Andre de Shields that I can be. I'm thinking now about 
the um, the late Chadwick Boseman and how it wasn't until he passed last year that people started thinking about how during the last portion of his career, he had started doing what you have been doing your entire life, which is building both the Andre the Shields library, but also the Andre the Shields forest with all these trees that are blooming all over. Because right now hearing you say seed and bloom made me think of how whenever I need to lift up my spirit, for instance, I go and get my DVDs of Sex and the City and I watch the episode where we teach Charlotte how to tap <laughs> A change of dress, it's called. Yes. And that lifts me up every time. So, you know, I don't even know where I'm going with this anymore, but oh yeah, back to, you've been building this legacy and I, 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 I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the moments where you have maybe uh, almost gone down a different path. Have there been those moments at all? Oh yes, yes, and those those are the those are the testing moments. That's those are the quizzes in life. You know the pop quizzes, the ones that you haven't that you should have been studying for, but you <laughs> didn't because you were out having some fun, which is okay. You are supposed to have fun. Life is intended to be joyful. However, you are also supposed to be prepared to pass those tests when they come your way. That's what I meant when I used the third cardinal rule. The bottom of one mountain, I'm sorry, the top of one mountain is the bottom of the next, so keep climbing. Every test that you encounter, you must pass or you will not graduate to the next level. It's almost, I, I'm sorry that I keep talking like musicals, like images from musicals, but it's, you're making me think as in those moments, you're being Maria von Trapp and then there are moments where you go back to being the mother abbess and you're like, keep grounded, be in control. But that's what musicals are for. They're, they're, they're one big or continuous metaphor. That's what mythology is for. That's what religion is for. Parables, metaphors, allegories, aphorisms, idioms. These are miniature examples of life, of living. And we must pay attention to these seeds as they grow because we don't have enough time in our own individual lives to make all the mistakes that would result in the wisdom that you're learning from the parables and the metaphors. There is a mantra that I use which I borrow from um, Thornton Wilde's brilliant play, Our Town. I had an opportunity to play the role of the stage manager uh, in 2006. And uh, if you would indulge me for a moment, I want to share with you and those with whom you share this, 
it's a monologue deep, a brief monologue deep in the second act when the citizens of our town have all transitioned and now their spirits in purgatory, wondering what has happened to them, what is happening to them and what will happen to them. The stage manager says, there are some things we all know, but we don't take them out and look at them very often. We all know that something is eternal and it ain't houses and it ain't names and it ain't earth and it ain't even the stars. Everybody knows in their bones that something is eternal and that something has to do with human beings. All the greatest people ever lived have been telling us this for 5,000 years. Yet you'd be surprised how we're always losing hold of it. There is something way down deep that is eternal about every human being. And what is that? It's the spirit that is eternal. But it is the spirit, the eternal spirit that we all share as human beings. And the stage manager says, all the greatest people ever lived have been telling us this for 5,000 years. It's there for us to know. It's there for us to grasp, reach, access. Why don't we? History is circular. It's like we should Why, be going, picking from the tree, right? Picking yes, the fruit yes, from the tree. yes. Yes, it's been left there for us. And it's in all of, it's in all of our ethoses. I hope that's the word. <laughs> I mean, we go back to um, uh, America thinks of itself as a Christian nation. There are other religions, I know that, but. Um, so what is the, what is, what is our creation ethos? That um, humankind was put into this beautiful eternal garden. And there was no such thing as work. There was just joy and happiness and you live forever. All you had to do was agree with your creator that you would not eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's all. You don't do that and boom, you're copacetic. What's the first thing we do? Seek out, yes, there you go. <laughs> so I'm just using that as an illustration that all the wisdom that we need for our joyful life is there. Why do we avoid it? 
Why do we think we have to invent fire, invent the wheel, invent air? Invent... It's there. It was the, it's there when we come naked into the world through the first portal. It is there when we exit the world clothed through the final portal. The abundance is there. It should come as no surprise to me also then that you are, that you apparently also have a green thumb because your money trees look beautiful. <laughs> oh, you recognize them, huh? <laughs> I, I do, yeah, because I'm trying to get mine to grow. It's not in this right. room anymore. Well, but, perhaps do you also recognize this beauty here? I don't know. Is that an orchid? It's a Thelionopsis orchid. Oh. Yes. It was given to me by our producers of Hades Sound for my 75th birthday. That's so beautiful. So you yes. do have a green thumb. <laughs> and next to the Thelionopsis on this, this side, I don't know if you can see this here. That's a lily, right? No. Well, it might be in the lily family, but it's an anthurium. Okay. Yeah. And that was given to me by uh, my director, Rachel Chafkin. So you, you can see that everyone understands how Edenic my character is. Lush, beautiful, Garden of Eden, tropical, warm, abundance. <laughs> I'm gonna play this recording of you to this plant that I have on my desk because it's the plant that I keep closest to me while I work and look how huge it got. That's a pathos, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yes. And would be and 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 this is such a it's a, such a beautiful and appropriate name for that plant. It's called pathos because of the white markings. Oh wow. And that's what's missing in our current culture. Empathy, pathos, compassion. We all need to be doppled like that plant is. More often than not, we would call that a philodendron. But when it comes with the white markings, it's pathos. This one's over here, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Now, see, now I'm going to think about my plant while I'm working in a completely different way. And yeah. I feel very shallow asking you this, but um, you were talking about portals, and as someone who is creating portals during his lifetime, when do you get a break? When do you rest? How do you rest? How do you, okay, you know, take a breath before going on your path on your path again? You're in my head. You're asking all the right questions. <laughs> <laughs> One must learn, and it and and it is. It is a tool that, that requires honing and it is, it is a habit, one of the few habits that I would encourage people to cultivate. One must learn how to rest in action. It's another lesson that we can learn from the pandemic. This, this idea of sheltering in place, 
It's a great concept, but it doesn't mean that we should pretend that we are black bears and eat everything and then find a cave and sleep for six months to a year. That is not what sheltering in place means. Sheltering in place means to rest in action, continue to do what you know is going to nourish your relationships with your fellow human beings and with the natural phenomenon. The reason that nature is collapsing around us is because if this were a Shakespeare play, we would all understand it. Oh, nature is collapsing around us because it is reflecting our psychological condition. And from that we can learn. All of a sudden we've lost our insight. All of a sudden we've lost the knowledge that we are born with. All of a sudden we can't find the wisdom that's been laid out for us for 5,000 years. So you must rest in action. Same thing with the other caution social distancing. That's an inappropriate use of language. Physical distancing is what we want to do so that we're not shedding the virus on one another. But you can be physically distanced and continue to be social. That's the duty to continue the community to continue communicating, to continue being social, simply at a distance. And we all know how to do that. That's what we're doing now. That's what Zoom is all about. That's what virtual communication is all about. That's what telephones are all about. Uh Absolutely. Yeah. It, yeah. I hadn't thought about that. It is a total oxymoron almost even, I would say, you know, asking us to do that. And right. let me make one other point. Of course. When your spirit, because we were talking about that, eternal spirit knows when you must rest, what happens? You fall asleep. That's the only rest you require. As long as you are awake, do not rest. Because if you follow that journey, you will then become woke. And there's a difference, you know. Many of us are awake, few of us, few, few of us are woke. <laughs> I agree. Now you're making me think about both, you know, who was it? Was it Ra who went to sleep at night in Egyptian mythology, right? Like who went under to the underworld and then would come back the next morning. Yeah, he wasn't resting. Yeah. And and, and I also journey. Yeah, and, and I also I, I don't know if you've heard this. I mean you might have told me this for all I know at uh -oh. some point. But uh there's this um, no, I think I heard it for the first time, maybe during the pandemic. And I 
had never heard this before. It's a part, I think it's in the, uh, it's a part of, it's a myth in Muslim uh, tradition where it says something about the um, archangel uh, Michael. Is that what it's called? Michael, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the, the, the archangel uh, Michael, apparently before sending children into the world, before they're born, kisses them on the forehead and then whispers in their ear the entire all of knowledge and all the wisdom in the universe and then when he sends them into earth once we arrive we start slowly forgetting everything the angel told us exactly exactly when i was pursuing my master's degree at new york university my professor of Shakespeare, Professor Dr. John Carroll, kissed me on the forehead and whispered in my ear. He did that for the entire class, but I'm the one who remembers. And he said, I'm going to gift you a word that you will not find in any dictionary. You will recognize its root innatism, and we do recognize the root, innate, that which is inherent, which you just described. He says, now I will tell you my definition of innatism. We all know everything we need to know. We simply don't know that we know it. And that is what you just described. We come into the world full of knowledge. That's one of the reasons why a newborn child can chew on its toe. But when you're 75, you can't do it. Because as soon as you come into the world, you begin to forget what you know. But at the same time, that's the only way you can experience life on a planet that's ruled by gravity. And as we come full circle one more time, then I wonder, you start, you know, you start off talking about what you knew when you were a child. And I wonder if there are any other, let's say, rediscoveries that you have made from your childhood now that you are in lockdown. Um, because it also makes me think that you have been reading my mind. Because for the past month or so, I've realized that all the things that I love the most doing during the day are the things that I loved doing when I was 12 years old. <laughs> I now know that... What belongs to me, and I'm saying it, but also applying it to every individual. What belongs to me is on its way to me and cannot be kept from me.
while I am and it's not even while I am expecting it to arrive I was about to say while I'm waiting but I'm not waiting while I'm expecting it to arrive my energy must be invested in my responsibility to the least, the last, the lonely, the forgotten, and the loveless. Thank you so much. That's that's really that's really beautiful. Um, can you remind our viewers and our listeners where they can see? Because I was gonna say, you know, one of the things that you know is coming for you will be more glory, more rightful glory when you play <laughs> Frederick Douglass on a twenty-six. But would you like to remind our viewers and our listeners where they can find this uh, one night only event? Well, my Facebook is, is, has public access. So you could go to Andre DeShields on Facebook and it will tell you that it's being virtually streamed. It's a live performance. It's being virtually streamed from Flushing Town Hall at 7 p.m. Or that's when you know they'll open the, um, what do they call it? What do you open? The lobby, I guess. The lobby, yes. And then at 7.30, we'll hit it. Hit it, you will. Out of the yeah. park, as usual. So oh, Well, I'm not predicting anything. <laughs> that's, that's not what Hermes does. He doesn't predict. <laughs> but but I, would like to, I would like to leave you with this blessing. It comes from the network of Bantu languages that are spoken in uh, the southeastern regions of Africa. It's similar to the yoga blessing of Namaste, which is the divinity in me recognizes and salutes the divinity in you. This Bantu word is Ubuntu. And it means I am because you are Ubuntu. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure and a blessing being in your presence. So thank you so much and break a leg on your next destination. Will do. And thank you for that lovely interview in American Theater Magazine. It's one of my favorite moments in my life. So, so thank you so much for, for talking to me again. This has been a joy and Ciao. have fun. <laughs> we'll do. Ciao for now.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.